1: Welcome to the Weekly Review, the radio show where two adults and a young person dissect some of the cultural releases of the week while dealing with the kind of psychological issues that hinder the everyday existence. Today we talk Black Midi's album of the week, Hellfire, which got Ben thinking about some of the weirdest records ever released, which we shall discuss. And I can't stop talking to everyone who has ears about the documentary We Were Once Kids about Larry Clark's infamous cult 90s indie film. Turn on the engine, Ramon! there are roads to travel. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for the sporting events of the year? To the thousands in attendance and to the millions watching around the world,
2: let's see some thunder! 30 will show me to be the greatest the world has ever seen i genius among nine entities The Ludwig clash of the century to we for it was 2163 I was there
1: Luck, According to Pitchfork, uh, the preposterously talented English band's third record is pitched between Clinical Precision and Crazed Abandon. And Jason Green is very kind in citing, uh, saying things like, words like Ridiculous and Crazy come up a lot in their interviews, citing one of the band's members saying, we're just doing this stupid thing and somehow making the semblance of a living. Living. Greep said on Radio Primavera Sound recently when promoting the band's third album Hellfire, "Ah, what great isn't doesn't it feel good when uh, something that you've done is cited by such an influential um, publication like Pittsburgh.
0: shaping the cultural discourse your <laughs> one interview at a time
1: yeah yes, yes. I, I, I was so excited i was so yeah. thrilled with us like oh someone listens and it's not just anyone jason green from pitchfork shout out to that man and everyone at Pittsburgh, the pitchfork staff we love you all
0: and we're going to be playing a little just a little bit of that interview later as well i found a clip that i think is very relevant to our purposes today
1: well, give. I I need a professional to tell me what they thought about this album. Apart from Jason Green, someone else who reviews for Pitchfork. Ben you here at the table. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's one of those like, I, I, it's one of those albums that like I, I find very impressive, but it's like when like I really struggled to listen to it, you know, because it's like. It's all very clever. I mean, it's basically like there's a really good garden review. It's like, what Black Mini have done is they've done a space uh, jazz space opera that goes into free jazz while riffing off boxing, and 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 this is just you know they went through a whole massive list of things they've done. This is just the first five minutes, and you're like, oh my god, that's true. There's so much in this album. It's so incredibly dense that I love what it is, but it's just it's kind of almost frustrating because either. I think even if you give it your full attention, it's too much. Yeah, you know, you can't casually listen to it at all. Um, no. And you know, I, I was sitting there just listening, taking notes to it, and even then, it was like,
1: my god, how to assimilate all of this? You know, you know what I mean. Did you um, feel the sort of little heart attack induction, like, uh, like you needed to sit down and breathe at some point?
0: Well, it got to a stage where, at a while, you're just like. Um where am I what's going on I remember like thinking like one song had gone on for like about 7 minutes or something that it must have got um and no it, it was like it, it was I was like in minute 12 uh, sorry minute 2 or something like that because it was like oh my god there's so like this must be going on forever but but uh, absolutely not it's I tell you what it is right? It's exactly the opposite of functional music. You know how you get songs which are like, oh, this will work well for studying, or this will work well for like having a massage or whatever. It's just not that because it will not work well for anything. (laughs) Literally, it just does not, it does not work. And that is kind of brilliant in itself. I do wonder sometimes though, if what's happened is basically you've got this band that are brilliant musicians, they've been like doing very experimental things. If they've just got this level where they're just like, I don't know what to do. We'll just do everything, you know? And that's great and it's a bit frustrating, is what I thought about it, basically.
1: Mark.
3: I um are we changing roles? Because I I think I enjoyed it. Now I'm rethinking, oh my, God. Yeah, now I'm rethinking my answer because no, 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 thought no, it was no, no, a difficult no. album. You
1: know what? It, I, I'm, I'm just going to say something quickly. Sorry I to interrupt <laughs> you. Your generation is better at handling everything all at once all the time.
3: That's a great movie, by the way, that's now on theatres. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Anyway, yeah, maybe it is, but um, uh, I don't know. I, I remember... Did we review Black Midi before? No. Yes. Did we? It's
1: cavalcade, I think we reviewed it. and we Well, we've talked about them a lot because they covered I, Taylor Swift. I,
3: think, I don't know if I'm confusing them with Black Country, New Road, uh, maybe. I think,
1: I think we've done both, yeah. We've done I, both. I
3: think either their last album or Black Country, New Road, which I'm now confusing for their last album. I... Um, I it was very difficult for me to get into it and and as a person that doesn't have like a musical like knowledge or whatever it was difficult for me to understand or to think oh maybe i would listen to this if when i'm i don't know in the metro going somewhere but in this case i i saved um, of the songs, like, I want to listen to this. You gave another, it the, hearts, the, yeah, p- the green exactly. heart? Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. And this is when I know I like an album, because if, if I'm saving them f- to listen later, it means that, that I do like it. You're and waiting
1: I- for it, that green light <laughs> here, that green heart. Sorry. I was,
3: uh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I had this moment, and I <laughs> saved a, a, a few of them, and I, I th- it's different, of course, and it's like... Jazzy, I guess, Um, and there's a few of them that are very chaotic, but not in a way that doesn't that feels that like you cannot handle it. I feel like maybe I'm super clever suddenly, and and I understand black (laughs) music, and I got possessed by it or something.
1: You see, some records require a time and place to be enjoyed. You could say that about most of the records we listen to here at RPS. We don't always go for easy listening, but as much as I worship the floor black MIDI tread-on, I had a very off-putting experience trying to listen to this album Mm -hmm. i was caring for my daughter trying to make her delicious lunch while baby mama was hoovering with the dyson and baby wanted daddy's attention she wanted to be picked up she wanted me to play and i had like water boiling to steam her vegetables so that they retain all the nutrients and all the flavor but they're nice and tender for her to chew on with her baby teeth among this geordie greep is chanting or enunciating his stream of consciousness like lyrics above above the cacophony of chaotic music that was creating a very stressful vibe in my house. Do not play this album with children at home, at least when you have imminent chores to do. While I think previous album Cavalcade was one of the best records put out last year, because of the slower songs offering a wider palette of sounds and balancing the whole experiencing and showcasing the wild imagination this band have as a collective unit, this album proved a bit too hyperactive. It's spectacular with horn explosions like some sort of Hollywood musical and I like that they're this ambitious and productive. Between Cavalcade and Hellfire they put out a sweet three song EP covering Taylor Swift, Captain Beefheart and King Crimson which may have given cues as to where they planned on going with this third record before it came out. It's bonkers and if I'm being fair it fits into the chaos of the world we live in. It's the sound of the ultra-connected human experience, you open the device and scroll and scroll and scroll with everything happening all at once, all the time, like in that movie. (laughs) It is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I'm afraid of wanting to be chilled on a beach shore, keeping still because the world may move on beyond me. And suddenly I'm this obsolete organism that eats, drinks and shits itself like the baby dolls that recreate the human experience for the delight of children who want to play being parents, parents who then bug out because the Black Midi album is too bonkers to introduce into their daily routines but alas there is a country song still that kind of brought things down a little bit but immediately things started getting jittery again and i got very stressed <laughs> well, good. so
0: that country song's really interesting because it's like the one moment they do really calm down and is it not the most enjoyable moment on the album yes i would i would say so My most enjoyable
3: yeah i really like that one too but I'm so confused that you both feel this way about the album like we've reviewed very chaotic albums before and and I don't know I'm surprised that this one is the one that it was too much for you.
1: I think maybe it's the frequencies because like I can maybe listen to an Aphex Twin album and, and maybe 20 minutes of like when it goes or square pusher and stuff and I know what it is and and as Ben says you know you kind of prepare yourself it's like yeah I want a bit of this because I'm going to do some I don't know some crossfit or I've never done crossfit in my life but uh, <laughs> ride a bicycle and stuff and and I need the uh, to get in the mood but usually now I'm at this age where I'm listening you know what I had to listen to straight after this Armando Manzanero's ballads he's, a, <laughs> he's like a bolero crooner legend and all of a sudden I really needed that antidote like oof, to bring it down and because I, I was becoming like this, this evil person who like felt like shouting at my kid for, for, <laughs> for wanting my attention. It's like, all she wants is my love. And I'm like, I'm stressed out because of that midi. Um, it's like there's no room for
0: anything else in your brain, isn't it? It's like, no. No, can't give love, can't make vegetables. I'm uh-huh. just listening to the space opera or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like, there's so many good, like, did you, what, what, the, what's the opera about? Is it about boxing? Is it about, say, do you even pick up on the opera? No.
1: There's an I, opera thing. I They're all well, musical,
0: we should say. There's like oh. a there's a central character called something like um what's he called? Uh, something bongo. Tristan Bongo, who's like this the character and and the, there's things to do with like him being in the navy, I think, and then there's stuff to do with boxing, like on the one we we just heard. And it's like there's certainly sort of concepts going on. Oh, and um Still, that fact that we we really liked, which is sung by the bass player Cameron Picton. yeah, and yeah. right at the end they say, "Oh, this isn't by Black Midi. This is by this name. This name of the other band that they is actually them that in which they support themselves." It's bizarre.
1: <sighs> no, is it, you know, uh, bless them, bless them. You know, they're not playing. They're not trying to pander to all this wonderful critical acclaim that they're they're enjoying. It's like, like, let's just keep going bonkers and bonkers. And it must be a lot of fun doing this, like executing this, like being in a studio and having the skill and the talent to pull this off. It can be a dangerous territory for a band when they just play to amuse themselves and don't take the listener into consideration. But sometimes it proves... Be a very wonderful thing. Well, I want to play this clip
0: um, because I think this is very interesting. It's your question. Um, we were both in the interview, but you you were you were doing the business, quite Marcus. frankly. This is <laughs> uh, basically talk them talk about composing music.
1: Yeah, and nowadays, uh, now that you've managed to sort out writer's block issues and things, uh, when you're approaching making new music, what's the creative process? Do you cut? you each come in with sketches, or do you try and come in from and, and start from scratch? Um,
2: everything. But it depends on the song. Um, A lot of the songs start as a game, as a pastiche, saying, wouldn't it be funny if we did a song in this sort of style? And um, of (coughs) course, it never actually ends up being um, strictly in that style, but it's good to have a jump-off point of saying, oh, it would be funny if we made, uh, you know, a country song or a hillbilly song or, uh, you know, a gospel song or whatever, you know. It's it's good to have these kind of ridiculous... um, starting points
0: mm-hmm. see that made so much sense to me pastiche because you could imagine I, I think that the way in which i imagine maybe the song that this album was made it's like they're just like okay well what would a country death metal song sound like mm. and they're that skilled that they can go and, they can go and make it but i slightly worry because you know how sometimes like people who are incredibly good at their instruments don't make good music yeah um That's not always true, of course. But, you know, like, was it Steve Vai, that guitar player, who makes some nudely guitar albums that that are just, like, terrible? And you get people that can barely make play guitar that make really, really good things. I'm not saying it's a rule or or anything like that, because there's lots of examples either way. But I do sometimes worry they're going down that. It's like they're so good at their instruments that they, like, it's very hard for them to be sincere. So they need to be, like, they need this jumping point, which, like, we need to be to do this kind of passage. They can't just sit and write a song about how they they feel Mm -hmm. because that's too easy. Yeah. Right. It's like, okay, no, we need to, to kind of do this extreme thing. And that's great. That's great. But it just means that it's kind of hard to listen sometimes. And like as I said, ever, which I was talking about, um, uh, they say it's by the Orange Tree Boys, which is an alter ego under which they occasionally open their own shows. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's like, okay, they had to take this alter ego to write this, this, this song, you know, to, to write something a bit more sincere.
3: But I love that. Like, it, it, it makes sense that if you're a black midi and... You make like a pastiche of everything and it's kind of not a joke, but you do it in this kind of way. I don't know how. what word would be correct here, but then if you do like a serious one, you take the alter ego because otherwise people wouldn't think it's serious because you're black media and all the other stuff mm. is not. I don't know. I just re- if it, if they didn't think it that way, I think
0: they, they they should present it that way because it makes lots of sense yeah. and I love it. I just wonder if they're going to a bit of a cul-de-sac. You know what I mean? In that, like, it's it's difficult for them to be in a group. It, it's like a bit like the, the interview we did, right? They they kind of got into like making up stories, and they were really, <laughs> they were really funny. But, like, there there was a moment where I'm pretty sure, like, I'm glad Johan was leading. Because I was like, are, what, are they telling the truth? Or are they lying? And it was like, and they would tell these really elaborate stories. you be like, well, that's kind of interesting. But at the same time, you know, I'd quite like a, a regular answer to my question. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that thing about um about the, the drummer, like, only taking it up when he was, like,
1: f- 14 or something. Yeah, like, when it?
0: It, he's one of the best, sort of, most skillful drummers in the entire world. And I, be- I believed him, because I'm, I've- like, you know,
1: quite... <laughs> Morgan Simpson, uh, yeah, yeah. I think they saw. They, I think they even. F- I think they felt a little bit bad when they saw how much I believed what they were their bullshit, and they kind of like, okay, okay, let's tone it down because these guys are, are actually nice. <laughs> life, <you> know? <laughs> we're, we're lost. <laughs> um,
0: can we, should we should we listen to one of the songs? Then I this really got me thinking about some of the most uh, outrageous uh, songs in my record collection. Let's have a, a, a listen to uh, "Welcome to Hell." Why not? back.
2: Just strike off the night light so don't tell me of your troubles your emotional
0: grief okay that is welcome to Helen the reason I included that one b- was because I found that one of the most listenable songs on the mm-hmm. album I was just looking at my notes and it says funky great riff uh, some great lines good one about oysters uh, epic filmic that kind of thing and it also reminded me of Scott Walker and that got me thinking of oh, Christ Scott Walker's done some uh, particularly strange strange albums
1: Uh uh-huh so scott walker who uh, mario like this he he went in the 60s he was like a super heartthrob as part of the walker brothers right and he was he's he was super 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 good looking He had that kind of 60s mm, sort of hair style, you know, what what do they call that in London? The, The swinging 60s, you know, he was one of the icons. My mother swears by how she, you know, she used to almost faint when Scott Walker would appear or the Walker brothers would appear on the television. Then he went solo and he started doing like interesting music rather than the pop hits or these pop ballads that would have all the teenage girls going crazy it was almost they were almost like bts back in the day <laughs> right but uh, and but then he started becoming this really interesting guy doing all this kind of you know scott 1 scott 2 scott 3 scott 4 albums uh, and and it just and he started getting weirder and weirder but he'd have those kind of poignant ballads still going on but you know with his deep sort of voice and and then it up until not so long ago well, in the in the last few decades, he was still releasing some very very uh, interesting music. Ben, he released this album called Tilt. That's it. That, um,
0: it was released in 1995, and I remember you know how they used to have like in record shops they used to have those headphones. You could go and listen to new albums. Yeah. and uh, I like. I was determined I was going to get into this because like it was everyone was saying like it was a masterpiece and it was really cool, and I listened to it so many times. Like, I, I just can't it's like i i like it but i'm not going to spend my you know 12 pounds or whatever to take it home because i know i'm never gonna listen to it. it's like a sort of soundscape basically it's like the i guess you could say songs but it's really like a kind of sonic film in a way and it's inspired by all kinds of things there's sort of things about mussolini there's things about eichmann there's uh i mean there's so many different things and he's got this like kind of deep deep voice which he uses in these weird 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 um melodies and there's one bit it's not actually on on this album but i think it's on the next one in which um they very famously got like a, a, a like a session musician into into the studio and rather than asking him to play drums they asked him to beat a big slab of meat with his fist oh. oh my god
3: thank god yeah. it was
0: meat i thought it, you were going to say like a person who was there working or something no, well, the, the point was that it was a song, uh, I believe, about uh, the death of Mussolini when he was um, <laughs> yeah. killed by a, a mob and then slung up. And there is, well, if you're beating someone, it sounds a bit like that. Um, Do you want to listen to the uh, the opening track from uh, Tilt, this 1995 album I tried to get into?
1: I, the hit, the, the hit single. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I want nothing else more than to listen to that. All right,
0: uh, well, let, let, let's play this. This is uh, a little bit of Scott Walker's <laughs> big hits. Uh, Farmer in the City
1: Night, I, I love how on the credits of this album, you know, Scott Walker is credited as vocals, guitar, harmonica, saxophone, and sound treatment. You know, imagine like you're in, you're making a documentary and you're like, oh, you're Hugh Burns. What do you do? Oh, I play the guitar. Ian Thomas, what do you do? I play the drums. Scott Walker, what do you do? I treat sound. I'm a treater of the sound. You know, that could be. I could, I could get away with that. Um, did, did you enjoy enjoy that? Well, yeah, because I mean, once there's some sort of soft violins and stuff, you know, then I always think, yeah, I could have lots of moments for this nice sort of string arrangements
0: can can you picture me as a as a 17 year old like with the headphones and like i really want to like this i really want it but it's 12 pounds if it'd been streaming i'd have been
1: all over it but it's like yeah no I did £12. yeah but you know i've said many times on this show how i used to be a little bit pretentious with my art tastes just to you know to chat up girls you know so i would have probably bought this album to play when you know if if i if i Got lucky and brought someone back home. I'd oh be like, my oh, gosh, you would
0: fail. Oh, fail. No, no, no. You I, it, cannot. It, it, that's Absolutely. why it didn't work. It never worked. I'd play like
1: Godspeed You Black Emperor. Like, oh yeah, listen to this. And the girls were like, man, pay play, play Brittany or something. You know, <laughs> let's get in a mood. Pay RB. Arca- no, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, Johan, stop. Um, I would play Sade and they'd laugh. <laughs> What? Because like? Like, it was so obvious. I'd play Ordinary Love. <laughs> 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 I gave you all the love. And they'd be like, come on, don't be so obvious, dude. It's like, we're going to get it on anyway. <laughs> te- 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 um, um, Telegram your intentions. Telegram yeah, your yeah, yeah. intentions. <laughs>
0: all right, well, this has got me here. Have you have you, familiar with the work of Wesley Willis? Uh, no, who's Wesley Willis? Wesley Willis. Rob, let's hear a little bit of Wesley Willis. Uh, let's go with rock and roll mcdonald's
2: mcdonald's is a place to rock it is a restaurant where they buy food to eat it is a good place to listen to the music
3: people flock here to get down to the rock music
2: rock roll mcdonald's rock roll mcdonald's mcdonald's will make you fat they serve big macs they serve quarter pounders they will put pounds on you
1: i love these uh, (laughs) uh, you know the uh, absurd kind of comedian artists and stuff who have access to equipment and stuff you know you could sit this next to like ariel pink or any of these kind of weird folk artists and things wesley willis okay uh when's this from uh, this is from the
0: 90s. Basically, Wesley Willis was um, the, the, this bloke from Chicago um, who uh, used to sort of basically sit on the suits of, of Chicago and sell his, uh, sell his albums and um, sell his artwork as well. Um, and uh, at some point he was picked up by uh, Alternative Tentacles um, who put out this greatest Hits, which is the record of his that I have. And basically... Well, something I used to do when when I was introducing people to it, so I'd just skip through the tracks because you know that like keyboard back in the head mm-hmm. he uses exactly the same thing on about seventy percent of the tracks, so you just be like, literally exactly the same thing, and him just like doing his thing his thing over the top and I used to be like, ah, check it, check it check this album but the funny thing like the funny thing was like i really I really liked it, I really got into it in the end because it's like. It's people call it like outside outsider music, mm. right? Um, And you know, like Wes had a had a difficult life. He, he was diagnosed with with schizophrenia. You know, he he died he died relatively young. You know, he spent a long time sort of selling his music on on the streets. But like, there's something I don't know, just so like something kind of sincerity to it that I really like in the end. You know, and it is, I mean, that's like it's kind of funny, I suppose, in a way. But I definitely feel like I'm laughing with him rather yeah. than at yeah. him if, yeah. if you know what I mean
1: um, it's but, not too indulgent like he's actually it seems like he does want to entertain not just of. Oh, I'm gonna just record my ramblings and whoever wants to listen to it huh? exactly and he has like
0: some of the greatest um, sort of song titles in the history of um, of, of music The Chicken Cow was a big, fan, a big fan of that I Whooped Batman's Ass was good and um, anyway he uh, Talking of uh, outsider art, that's something I'm I'm quite into. Like, um, for example, have you heard of the Space Lady? Ah, Space Lady, uh, she uh, is, well, I guess you'd you'd call her sort of uh, another uh, outsider artist, uh, Susan Dietrich Schneider, um, who basically makes, like, spacey, psychedelic pop release, loads and loads and loads of music, um, and always with her voice on top, just sounding like very, very, um, very cosmic, basically, and it, it made me think of something you introduced us to, Ma, Emily Montes, mm-hmm.
3: the greatest album ever.
0: Tell, tell us again about Emily Montes. Is this the child?
3: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is the child.
1: <laughs> the child, the
3: chosen one. Um, I, I now I am gonna quote everything wrong and I am gonna make up facts, but <laughs> Emily Montes is like was a five-year-old girl i guess now she is older um and she put out like an album that basically co- consists of five songs that are less than a minute long like maybe 20 seconds and all of them are brilliant and all of them are what hyper pop wishes was mm-hmm. like it is exactly what all these musicians look for. Emily Montes did it herself yeah. as a five-year-old yeah. kid,
1: intuitively. Raw. Yeah, in,
3: yeah, it's so raw and it's so. I don't know how to explain Emily. There's
1: no agenda. It's not like she knows or she's calculated. It's like it's a five-year-old. There can't be anything yeah, more naive. But, and
3: at the same time, it's very like it makes you think. It's like she's so right for that. She she has some lyrics like it's like, okay, Emily, I I I know you're like the dread of existential dread and, and stuff like that it's like i can see where you're going and she's just amazing and the longest song i don't think it's even a minute it's maybe 40 seconds
0: well that sincerity made me think of a few records i like do you know the Lang- the langley school's music project no it's basically um th- th- there was a school uh, in the u.s in the 60s and they had quite, kind of quite a progressive um music teacher yeah um and he he got them together to record this album uh, of like uh modern ish
1: pop hits hang on is this the guy who got the kids to sing phoenix's listomania no no this is 60s 60s and 70s oh okay
0: and there's just some sort of like sincerity about it which you can hear that if i'm in the right mood absolutely breaks my heart oh, a similar please. thing to kind of uh emily Montes do you want to hear, hear a little bit <laughs> the Langley yeah. school music project yes please this is their version of uh the beach boys god only knows i'm the new rap queen give me my crown. If you sit down it's my turn i'm alert
2: i will teach you my ways let me be your teacher emily rose i'm a new kind of creature
1: no, that was no, that wasn't the I, Langley School. I
3: love this segue. I loved it that it just was Emily Montes. Like <laughs> I, I wish this was like the plot twist of the century. <laughs> Emily Montes just copied a seventies random music group.
1: <laughs> yeah, I bet Rosalia will will hire Emily Montes for a credit. Like a co- she, she has to sample her and do something. I don't know, but okay. Now yes, uh, this is God only knows by the Langley School music. Why? Where cuz there's something about children's choirs that it can it's no it, there's a human reaction to it because first of all we've me well, a lot of us have probably sung in a in a in a school play or in an assembly or anything so it's something that kind of takes you back that kind of the choral sort of frequencies but at the same time it can when it's used like in a horror movie or something like the like the children singing uh, one two freddy's coming for you, you know, in, in nightmare on elm street it's super it's, creepy yep. it's scary it's like oh the innocence and stuff and it's and it's almost a trope in, in horror in horror music and horror mo- movie music um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's captivating. You can never ignore a children's choir.
0: Well, you know what David Bowie said of their version of Space Oddity? What he said it was a piece of art that I couldn't have conceived of. Uh, said the uh, vocals were earnest if lugubrious, and the backing arrangement was astounding. It's true. It's true because you can't like you can't make something that instant when you're an adult. You but just can't do it. You couldn't make something like Emily Montez when you're an adult.
1: But it's like know. it's... No. it's it's like child actors you know they're so into it they 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 when they're on screen they're actually being super real and it's like damn it why are they always so good and it used to be really annoying in spain because Every year, there's always a movie a year in Spanish cinema where it's a a child is the lead of the in the film, and it's usually in the Civil War, Spanish Civil War. (laughs) It was like a trope, like every year, and they would always get nominated for a Goya, and they would always win because Spanish actors after a certain age are shit. Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, no, sorry, (laughs) no. (laughs) <laughs> no, they're, they're, mm, uh, no, but you, you know how wooden a lot of actors seem? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in th- and it's only the children up until a certain age when they, they, they're super raw and naturally talented and they just look natural on screen. Anyway.
3: And it happened so much, they had to put like an age limit to people who can get Goyas because yeah. every child was getting a Goya and not the actual like adults. <laughs> oh.
1: Um, So, uh, yeah, we're listening to some of the weirdest music ever recorded, uh, compiled by Ben Cardi. What's next?
0: So, I want to, have you ever heard of a band called The Shags? No. Don't laugh at the name. I
1: know that The Trogs, they had a double G in the name. I remember The Trogs, uh, but not The Shags. All right, okay. The Shags
0: were three (laughs) sisters um, from Fremont, New Hampshire, uh, who were managed by their father. Which, you know, doesn't always turn out right. Um, but, uh, so basically, um, th- he, had a, he had a vision, right, that his children, his daughters, were going to be musical stars. I think he was actually told it by a fortune teller at some point. Oh my God. So he decided he was going to go out and buy them instruments, right? Um, and <laughs> I, I don't know quite how this happened, but they basically appear to have made music with never having heard pop music before ever what what, yeah well like what like what they've come up with is so utterly utterly strange that like it's like i can't imagine they've ever heard any any kind of pop music before it's like someone has said to them this is what music is is like you know it has guitars bass and drums right and you've got to think about things that, that are important to you and they've just gone out and and they've made it and it's one of the weirdest, but again, sincerest albums you, you've ever heard. I
3: love the like premise of the, of the album. It's like an alien is brought yeah. to earth, and it's like, here's some instructions. Let you, me give
0: you um, some of the song titles so Who Are Parents? <laughs> uh, I'm So Happy When You're Near. Mm. Um, and it's Halloween. But I want to play you this song. This was uh, apparently devoted to their dog, they had a dog called Footfoot. Foot. And <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and they wrote a song to him called My Pal Foot Foot.
2: It's the Footfoot. Footfoot, I never find him home
1: I, I go, go to his house, knock at his, his door People come out and say, Footfoot, don't live here no more My pal Footfoot, Footfoot always likes to roam My pal Footfoot, 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 now he has no home Where will Footfoot go? What will Footfoot
2: do? Oh Footfoot, I wish I could find you I've looked here, I've looked there, I've looked everywhere. Oh, foot, foot, why can't
3: I find you? Foot, foot, where can you be? Foot, foot, why won't you answer me? Foot, 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 oh, foot, foot, wherever.
1: The, the amazing thing is that this you, this is actually still uh, it belongs to RCA, which is like a major label you know it puts out the strokes for you know to name but a few. but you can see how all of a sudden well this is this was this was music made between 1968 and 1975, right? Uh, I don't know exactly when foot foot was recorded, but uh, <laughs> my, my pal foot foot but uh, you can see how, years, decades later, bands like the Moldy Peaches or all that kind of weird stuff. It does folksies. sound a bit like... Yeah, Kimia Dawson <laughs> ripped, ripped this off. Not ripped it off, but it's like, look, you don't have to be musically talented or, or follow the, the typical... You know, if you record anything and there's... Well, I don't know, there, there is a charm to this. There is a charm. Kurt Cobain was a fan. I can, see, I can ah. totally see how this is like one of... Kirk, like Kurt Cobain would love this. It reminds me... Of two examples that happened in Spain, one there was this these three sisters in Andalucia called Prin La La, who they actually cut two albums. It wasn't as uh, you know they they could actually play a little bit better, and it and and it was very much guided by Fernando Vacas, Fernando Vacas. Uh, well a, a record producer in Andalusia uh, and Prín Lala, it was kind of cosmic kind of naive pop and stuff and it reminds me because I look at the picture of the Shags in 1968 and it's like they look like the three sisters from Prín Lala uh, and another thing that comes to mind is Floss Maria. yeah <laughs> you know about this Mar Floss Maria were like they're like nine sisters or 14 sisters. I don't know. It's like, it's a weird, mysterious story. And they started uploading music videos onto YouTube and they're super lo-fi. And and it's just, um, it's totally amazing. It's totally uh, preposterous, ridiculous. They, one of them thinks with a lithe, uh, they don't even sing that well, but they're all dressed in like... Because I think one of the sisters is think, a fashion designer. And no, makes,
3: I think it's kind of like a culty thing.
1: It's like. a bit culty because their parents are super <laughs> yeah. religious. There's not much. You see, they're super mysterious. And they the only thing that they kind of said... Uh, publicly was that they make they were making music to cure their mother they made a pact with god saying that if they if if uh, if uh, saying that if that god asked them to spread the message through music and that that way they would save their mother and it was but now i think like some of the sisters fell out with the other yeah, sisters and yeah there's the, a
3: whole drama going on it's very interesting and they have gone like more mainstream in a like normal way like the the other sisters have Left the cult or whatever yeah. it is. I don't know. It's, well, I haven't got into it that much, but I know now that's a very Spanish thing. So if someone else is listening, not from Spain, this <laughs> won't make any sense. But Los Javis yeah. are making a show inspired um, of Flor Maria. Flor Maria. Yeah.
1: Like a fictional, ba- ba- a story based on this, like some sisters growing in a family, like a kind super of, religious yeah. and. Wow. I mean, but the thing is the reality still because they're yeah, so mysterious. It,
3: reality is better than reality fiction. Reality is better.
1: I mean, obviously, yeah, if you got put out good actors and if there's a good script, whatever, but it's like, "No, I want the documentary. I want to see the the the, the what's in the in the shadows of this story." Anyway, uh, let's continue with more shadowy kind of <laughs> artists who put out records. L Ron Hubbard, the man credited for inventing Scientology kind of the 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 he was a sci-fi author. And, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you who L. Ron Hubbard is because everyone knows a lot more than uh, I do. Um, but we all know him from being, you know, the, the, the person who, who invented the Church of Scientology. But do you know his space jazz? That's the question. No. Well, no.
0: let's, let's
1: uh, I get into listen it. to it. I want to feel the power. I know the Church of Scientology is very um controversial and stuff but I am very interested in reading about Lafayette Ronald Hubbard. I mean this guy, you know, he's, he had a military career, he fought in World War 1, he 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 wrote all these sci-fi novels and he managed to invent a whole religion which is still, you know, very 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 present in modern day and stuff. I don't know, I just want to read about the these kind of people. I feel so lazy. I haven't done any I haven't recorded a sci-fi album I haven't And you fought haven't in a war. started
3: any religion like. I haven't started a
1: religion All I do is what are you waiting for? Post pictures of food on Instagram <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, it, did, it didn't sound that bad, actually. It, it sounded. I, under- I it sounded was right. enjoying it. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, did
0: you know it features uh, Chick Corea, aka one of the, ah. um, the jazz legends, Stanley Clarke, also very known in in jazz music.
1: Yeah, it sounded. It sounded like it, there was. It was. It wasn't like an amateur DIY record. It sounded professional. Also, apparently, it was the first ever
0: soundtrack album to a book released before the book was released. Whoa!
1: Oh. So uh, what, the
0: book? man was Is a Book.
1: Uh, Battlefield Earth. Battle. Oh, is that the one that inspired battles, Battle? Battle? No, that was
0: it. one that's made into a film. Yeah, yeah. that's like I, I'm not entirely sure um, uh, where it fits into Scientology, but uh, it's, uh, what, <laughs> it's, it's one of his works for sure. <laughs> one of his works. Um, I, I, I there, there's loads of these. I, I've got I, I've got so many, but but rather than taking up all the time, um, I want to play. Do you know? Are you familiar with the work of uh, Matt Moss? Yes. Matt Moss. So they are Mark. They are an electronic music duo who love sampling weird things, like
1: uh, surgical instruments. No, surgical. Uh, well, like surgery. apparatus. Surgery. So they, they
0: they sampled like plastic surgery um, on a chance to cut is chance to cure. Um, and this album, Ultimate Care Two, was released in two thousand and sixteen, and it is made exclusively from sounds uh, produced by their Whirlpool Ultimate Care Two washing machine. Uh, which they recorded in their basement. So basically, everything you hear on on this, uh, it was was came from their washing machine. Should we listen to It's And it's surprisingly surprisingly listenable. Shall we have a? you <laughs> have a, a little bit of it, Rob? This is uh, track number seven, Ultimate Care Two, excerpt one.
1: Comes the drum in. I can feel the groove kicking in. You know when people are like, oh yeah, and then Keith Richards paid the guitar solo to the, it's like, oh, and then Matt Moss put in the washing machine. Oh, yeah, and oh I, the I can water feel flowing. It. Oh, the water flowing. That what Rob was saying is like this for for fanat for enthusiasts of ASMR is like the best album of all time, and it gets me wondering. Like I go, you think of ASMR being this millennial thing because I never heard of ASMR before mm, a millennial Instagram. Uh, but it must have ASMR must have been a thing forever, no? Like even the sixties, or I don't know, when people started doing recorded.
0: When I when I was headphones. a youth, I remember people were always going on about how like it was like cool to say you slept to the sound of a um, a Hoover. Well, a yes,
1: I used to love it. My mum would Hoover at night when I'd go to sleep, and and I loved that sound and the 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 garbage truck. The garbage what? truck, it was like, oh, it was like instant pleasure. If I was like, if I'd gone to bed and, you know, garbage truck would usually do the rounds like at 11 at night or something, and I would hear the clanking in <laughs> the film. I used to love it. I used to love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm all, I, I, I did feel relaxed listening to this. The, I mean, obviously water flowing, it's usually, even those like new age CDs that were very popular in the 90s, you know, it was usually the sound of like water flowing, little streams, fountains and birds. The Amazon. You're really good at it. <laughs> the, uh, we should start a studio uh, sound effects. Um, uh, yeah, the sounds of the Amazon forest, the sounds of the Nile River. So, so
0: those are some of, my, uh, some of my favorites. I didn't even get into William Shatner's done a pretty remarkable. Oh, come on, we have
1: to play something by William Shatner. We've been going all sci-fi, L. Ron Hubbard, Matt Moss. We need to have something from Captain Kirk. The, I mean, I love it when actors cut out cut records like there was robert mitchum who did the calypso records singing with the faux accent and stuff he'd probably be canceled today but uh Mm -hmm. but at the time it's like it's a cult it's a cult classic i think i even have it on vinyl or bruce willis made it made records like actually trying to be serious about singing steve martin which isn't that bad but william shatner from star trek have you not heard it have you yeah. never
0: heard uh, of William Shatner's? I had to Google <laughs> that
3: man. <laughs> is he the one with pointy ears? No, he's fact? the other one. That he's the
0: other you know one. Who he is? also made. Now I'm
1: gonna give you a reference. Did you see Miss Congeniality with Sandra well, Bullock? Yeah. He's, he He's he's one of the uh, the the he's the host of the Miss Pageant. Ah, okay, okay. He's okay. the host, and yeah. he's
3: also. A singer, apparently.
0: Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> what singer would be putting it <laughs> <laughs> generously. Okay, As an entertainer.
1: Right.
0: Uh, entertainer. All right. Can we have? Uh, can we go for number eleven? William Shatner's take on uh, Mr. Tambourine Man.
2: Sleepy, and there is no place I'm going to. Hey, Mr. Man, play a song for me in the jingle, jangle morning. I'll come following you. Take me. On your magic swirling ship. My senses have been stripped. My hands can't feel to grip. My toes, too numb to step. Wait only for my boot heels to be wandering. Ready to go anywhere. I'm ready for the fade into my own parade. Cast your dance and spell my way. I promise to go under it.
0: What did I tell you? A, uh, an all-round entertainer. It's absolutely nuts, that album. We used to listen to it a lot um, back when, when you were in university. It's called uh, The Transformed Man. Uh, it's his debut album. It, it features things like um, Theme from Serrano slash Mr. Tambourine Man, Hamlet slash It Was A Very Good Year. Um, and it, it, it's basically him being an actor all over these... <laughs> um,
1: Well-known, terrorist pop songs by people like Bob Dylan and stuff. So it's a it's an interesting concept for an actor to release an album where they're still acting which is what they know how to do and recite Shakespeare and then taking it worked. I think that, well, that, that cut that we just listened to worked because it's also that lovely sound of the 60s that I love. Those those female choruses, you know, that kind of, almost sounds like music sung by a sect, like a religious <laughs> sect. That kind of vibe reminds me, of, I don't know, but I like that. I like that vibe. It's it's very Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: The other thing I can't quite tell is if he's being serious or not. That's, yeah. which, which...
3: That's the cool part, when That's... you cannot tell if someone is being, like, super serious or super sarcastic.
0: Like, later on, I think he made a bit of a joke of it. Like, like he did a later album and did a version of Common People and all kinds of things like that. Yeah. But I, I can kind of see it at the time, I know, like, no, you know, we're going to give this... This is the modern Shakespeare. Bob Dylan is the modern Shakespeare, so we're going to give him that Shakespeare kind of thing. I, I don't know if, if if he did that. But, like, I can just imagine, you know, and like, hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, you know? And, like, oh, it's... um, Yeah, it's quite a record. It's quite a record. His version of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is... mm uh, <laughs> Good, I guess. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but imagine
1: the night. Well, the nightmare of clearing all the 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 song rights, the song credit rights. You know, <laughs> the Beatles, Bob Dylan. You know, the, he didn't go cheap. But at the time, there was so much money in the music he's industry. that William Shatner? Could, he's, he's William Shatner going to say
0: no to William Shatner? Who put that mm-hmm.
1: record out? Who, who was it? Was it a major label? Was it, uh,
0: Decca Records?
1: Decca. Yeah, Decca made a lot of money in that time. They had all the classic music. See, the, the thing about Decca is they put out records of classical music, which is free from rights after like a hundred years or one of those clauses. So they were making money on music that they didn't have to pay to, you know, these dead composers.
0: Well, also, you don't have to pay William Shakespeare, do you? Out of copyright.
1: So yeah, like get same Shakespeare. thing. Yeah. Oh, what a great idea. You see, they probably figured this out. I can imagine William Shatner hanging out with some of his Friends who happen to be record producers, you know, in Hollywood in the 60s. It's like, uh, you know, uh, Shatner, you know, Shat from Friends. Hey, Shat, you know, that like, all this music is free of rights. We can just, like, take all these songs and and, and just re-record them and we don't have to pay anybody a cent. Like, we just make all this money back. And he's like, well, it's the same as Shakespeare. It's like, you what, really? You can take Shakespeare's texts and, and you don't have to pay for uh, songwriting credits? No, of course not. He's, a, you know, the bard, you know, it belongs to everyone. Damn it! We can make a lot of money on this, you know. At least we'll make like thirty thousand, and they probably made millions. I, I think <laughs> they made millions out of this album. I don't. Well, you know, he was extremely popular off Star Trek in the in the in the sixties and seventies, and still is. You know, but back then people were probably you know paying for for these kind of
0: whims, artistic whims. I don't think he sold all of that that many albums. I mean like he's made god he's made a few albums well, with the Transform It's just one William Shatner live. Um uh has been, oh, that's a bit harsh. A producer range by Ben Folds did an album with him. Ben Folds, yeah. From yeah, Ben yeah, Folds yeah. 5. Wow. Uh, oh my god, didn't know this. He did an album in 2018 called Shat Shatner Shand- Santa Claus. <laughs> Shanta- no, that's the
3: money grab. The the Christmas songs we were talking about. Yeah,
1: but F- featuring Iggy Pop. You well. just you have one Christmas hit, and your grandchildren will be going to very expensive schools on the back of that one Christmas hit single. Now I understand why everyone has their tries 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 their hand at having a Christmas number one. Uh, because once you get into all those playlists, look at Mariah Carey. Mm. Mariah Carey made a lot of money from her record career, but she made triple that money with All I Want For Christmas Is You. Uh, If you know what I mean, like this this is why she can own her own private island. I'm not
0: sure if William Shatner's version of Jingle Bells with Henry Rollins is going to (laughs) have quite the same
1: effect. Wow, even Henry Rollins recorded with Shatner? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm all for this. I'm all for entertainers releasing stuff putting things out onto the world um i noticed that you'd singled out you know we were talking about some of the influences that might have been on black midi's album uh you did mention captain Beefheart. well i mentioned it trout, trout mask replica as i think that was the weirdest record i had in my collection for a time because i could never finish listening to it <laughs> and uh, uh Flaming Lips Zyrica, that's an interesting case because that came quite late in their career, even though Flaming Lips had were very crazy in the beginning of their career and super psychedelic, but then they started being a little bit more accessible with Yoshimi Battles, the pink robots with the soft bulletin, and uh, and they became almost mainstream, really, in the United States and in the world. But then they went and did a U-turn and did Zyrica, very later in their career and and critics hated this album i remember it got well
0: no one no one listened to it because you needed four cd players it's like four four cds you're meant to listen to at the same time cds were like were like down in the streams in the 90s mark don't look at me like that um you meant to listen to them all at the same time yeah and i also oh that's the coolest thing but like i didn't know i had i think two cd players at, at the time yeah. and i was like I'm not really going to buy this album. The idea was, you know, you'd all get together and you'd be like, yeah, it's great. And I think some friends of mine did it once and I was doing something else. um, So I've never listened to it. But like, they've got a history of doing this. They did like um, an album uh, with Miley Cyrus, I believe it was. And they thoughtfully included some of their own blood in the record, which was nice.
1: That Miley Cyrus record with Flaming Lips wasn't that bad. It didn't, it got panned critically because once again, music critics just don't, like it when someone from the mainstream, pop, well, back then from the mainstream pop world, uh, flirts with like a, an indie band, uh, but it wasn't—it wasn't as terrible as as some of the reviews put it. I I, I thought it was a, a very honest mm, work of uh, a very honest artistic effort. And they're super good friends. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they even microdose together and, and, and all that kind of psychedelic behavior.
0: Well, how about this? A uh, headline just found: The Flaming Lips plan to press vinyl records with Miley Cyrus' urine.
1: That's lovely, isn't it? That's. I would love that. I, I, I wouldn't actually. That <laughs> is I, just yeah. What's what's the what, what's the weirdest record in your collection, Mar? Well, I know you don't collect records because that's a thing in the past. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, in in your, my head. Yes. In
3: my collection. In my head. But yeah, to me, the answer was super fast. It's Joanne by Lady Gaga. This is the weirdest thing to ever happen, ever. And I don't <laughs> think I need to explain it. But obviously, if you go through Lady Gaga's cat- catalog, yeah. there's one that sticks out the most. And it's Lady Gaga in an Urban Outfitters sale rag fedora. Like, why is Lady Gaga wearing a fedora in the cover of any of her um, albums? And it's because she went crazy in 2016 and put out like a... Like, she said it was like it was supposed to be her playing to this girl in the middle of the country somewhere crying her eyes out in the field with a drink in her hand and her kid in the other. (laughs) Like, who... Do you think Lady Gaga is Lady Gaga? Because that's not Lady Gaga. That's maybe Florence and the Machine. That maybe could even be um, Lana Del Rey, but not (laughs) Lady Gaga. I'm not saying Lady Gaga cannot go out and experiment with other genres, but it just felt like nothing of her identity was on that record. Uh And I think she even herself agreed, because when she played the Super Bowl, like three months later after the album dropped... um, she didn't even play <laughs> the album that she was supposed to be promoting. Yeah, right. um, and she just played one of the like uh, million reasons, which was the one that ended up doing the best. Um, and, and it wasn't even the single. Um, it's just weird. And I think she got like relief after a Star is Born because that's exactly what she was looking for. Like, but that was her being an actress, not Lady Gaga wearing a fedora. Um, that fedora
1: um, does not look like an urban outfit. <laughs> I mean, it, it must have been some Vivian Westwood or, or uh, no, Yeah, or, or But or it looks li-
3: like Lady Gaga is wearing yeah. um, a fedora from the sale rack.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um,
3: I don't know. It was weird. It's there. I love the fact that it's there. And to me, the weirdest albums are always when artists do something that it's nothing like they would do, like mm-hmm. something very out of brand. And it feels, like, weird. And this is the weirdest case in my head.
1: And that is all we have time for. Uh, Lady Gaga's Pink Fedora. And and Joanne, I'm actually going to go back and listen to this. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Rob, for your patience, for putting this show together for us, technically making it uh, sound as wonderful and pang. Go out and listen to records. This was The Weekly Review.